rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Joined on the podcast today by Scott, Shuban, and Todd. Let's start it out by throwing it over to Scott at DSM Spurs up there in Seattle. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Tottenham's back. Came off a good international round of uh, matches for the U.S. and result today. So let's fucking go. Yeah, good, good, good result. We will get into it, of course. Uh, Spurs getting the win up at Newcastle. Shuban's also with us at the Real Shuban. Shubs, how's it going, mate? It's going good. Um, just so, I think I don't know if we well, met my friends, Chris. He had so because the game was moved from the Saturday to the Sunday, and the train tickets being so expensive, especially when you have to book them last minute, he had to swap a three-hour train journey for a ten-hour bus journey to go just one way to Newcastle. And he won't get back until tomorrow morning. So, um, yeah, so yeah, so, um, so I want to give thanks to the away support that um, you could hear them quite loudly. And um, obviously, Steve Bruce, I it was interesting. I thought I, I kind of feel sorry for the guy in some respects, but yeah, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, once again, good support from the away crowd up there in Newcastle today for Spurs. Uh, always, always hear them, always very good to see and hear from them as well. Uh, we've also got the Todd father at TC underscore Kasho with us. Todd, what's going on, mate? Gentlemen, every day that you get to talk about Spurs coming back from an international break where no one is legitimately injured or has COVID is a good day. And uh, especially when you get a W and especially when you're in European places and especially uh, after you give up a goal in the first two minutes of a game. So um, all the way around, Andrew, today is a good day. And I get to talk to you guys. No question about it. Uh, Newcastle United 2, Tottenham Hotspur 3. This one had a little bit of everything. And, you know, (laughs) entering the match, we kind of thought um, this was going to be a a, a depleted side for Spurs. Uh, Coming in, a lot of reports of some COVID-positive tests. Uh, A lot of people thought that Hyungman's son might have been one of them. Brian Heal was rumored. Um, The club confirmed about an hour and a half to two hours before the game that there were a couple of false positives. Didn't let us know who, but it seemed like Spurs were indeed pretty much at full strength for this match. Um, And it showed with the lineup, Uh, the lineup very, you know, kind of expected and similar to what we saw Uh, before the international break, Hugo Lloris, Emerson Royale, uh, Christian Romero, Eric Dyer, Sergio Reguilón, Pierre-Emil Hoybier and uh, Oliver Skip in the midfield, along with Tangi and Dombele. And then across the front line, Lucas Mora, Harry Kane, Hyungmin Sun. Uh, Scott, first reaction when you saw that lineup, I'm sure it was kind of expected. But, you know, I know you're a big fan of the the Skip Hoybier midfield and, and having those guys both sit in front of a, a guy like Ndombele who can who can move along, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the the reason I'm such a huge fan of of – Hoybier and, and Skip playing together is because it's the only way to get anything out of Tongi. You've got to just let that guy have a free roll without any defensive responsibilities. And and I don't say that in like a negative way. Like, you know, no people talk about Tongi defensive responsibilities, whatever. Like he can do it. And I'm sure he'd be he'd step up to the plate if asked, but he's much, much much so more effective, right, when he's not asked to do anything defensively and, and just asked to go out and play football, which he did today. So um my concern is that outside of that 11, I'm not confident. So when I saw that 11, I thought we'd get a good result, but we have zero depth for me to feel confident beyond that 11, right? Yeah, no question. Um, and that's that kind of was showed through what Nuno Espirito Santo decided to do with the substitutes today, and that is not make any of them. <laughs> All 11 players uh, stayed on the field for the entirety of the game, which um, I don't remember, actually, the last Spurs match I watched where a sub was not made. I did not. Uh, have a chance to look that up, but I'm sure you know somebody will chime in uh, in in, re- in response to us. Uh, 
think yeah, putting this thing once, up. Yeah. It, yeah, but I mean, it's been that long. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it feels feel, feels like it's been a long time. Um, See, I, go ahead, I just, go ahead, Todd. Yeah, dude, I, I don't know, man. Like, I I was very confident in this eleven. I think that I absolutely agree with Scott in the sense that. Um, one, I think that PEH and Skip have to start for this team every single Premier League match. I think that's just a fact. I've been banging on about that for years, or excuse me, for, for weeks. Um, and I absolutely agree that that is the best way to get the most out of Tommy. Um, and I think it's the reason why you have to have him in that kind of free roaming role. Because I said to you guys at halftime, and clearly at the end, of, at the you know, he was my man of the match. He was man of the match for us. He was the best guy on the pitch all day long today. And, you know, even Warnock uh, and, and Arlo White kept talking about it. He really does have all the ba- all the tricks in his bag. They're all there. It's just a matter of putting them together consistently. And I think that Nuno is starting to unlock how you do that. Now, in terms of the depth, and that's really where I take umbrage with, the, with, with, with Scott's statement. In terms of the depth, I feel like in a match like that, when you're up 3-1 and you can look over to the bench and see a Steven Bergvine to switch out for a Lucas Moura and flip-flop Sonny onto the other side so he has to run a little less and conserve his energy, where you can have even Brian Heal come in, if need be, or Delhi come in, if need be, or you can have somebody like a LaCelso or a Winks come off the bench if you want to shore up the midfield. Like, Do I think that there are goals on the bench? No. There's no goals on the bench right now, but, and I think that maybe that's my, might be what Scott's referring to, but in terms of being able to come in and see out a three, one victory, we absolutely have that. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in really quick. I think uh, my statement is, is probably over blanketed, but really what I mean is that in the midfield, I'm not confident in anyone besides those three. That's you can right. maybe convince me Gio for Tongi, right? But Gio or Winks in that double pivot. Fuck no. I want nothing to do with either of those things. Um, I don't think there's enough goals on the bench. I have serious questions about who plays left back if Regulon's un- unfit. And I think we're okay at right back, but midfield as far as depth and goals as far as depth is critically poor, and that's not good. Those two things are very important to to getting results in this sport. So here's where I'll push back on both of you because I don't think that the Hoybier skip midfield is is long for – every premier league game because i think you can do it and get away with it and be just fine in a match against a team like newcastle where you're going to have 64 percent of the ball 58 percent of the ball in the first half um and you're going to be able to put up a few goals and then sit on a lead i think that's fine and it certainly allows indombele to do whatever the hell he wants against a team with a trash midfield like newcastle if you're facing a better team however yeah you want to be a little bit more defensive but i don't think you're going to have the freedom to just sit back and hope like you would need to with that kind of midfield. Uh, I think you're going to need to play something a little more ball, ball progressing and a little bit more offensive. That, that becomes the question. And I think that becomes, that becomes the question that you're pushing back on. And my thing is, is that they have to, I made the statement that I made because there are no better options. I think the only other option is to sit in Dombele a little bit deeper and play someone like LaCelso ahead of him. Instead Dude, of tugging with deep, fuck no. I, God, no. Like, oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be like, like, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but no. Like, it's I just not need about, that guy as close to goal as possible. That's it's all I'm not, saying. I, it's no, not about yeah. playing him. It's not about playing him in a defensive role. It's about having a, a, a your third midfielder out there be a little bit more of a ball progressor than someone like Skipper Hoybier is. Yeah, but we didn't. I think Hoybier is like, getting better, thing, though, though. Actually, well, I agree. And I also think like we're. Like you're talking about us like sitting back and absorbing with those two guys. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what we did today. We fucking controlled the flow of the game today. Like because you, because I, you I can. understand what you're saying, but you can't. You're not going to do that against Conte, all right? And and mm-hmm. and, and oh, fucking totally, Kovacic. Totally. Like you're, totally. you're, you're not going to. And do then you that. need those two to absorb pressure, but they certainly exactly. Didn't and so exactly. So it it changes the dynamic a little bit. I think Andrew's point is valid in the sense that like you can't look at Hoybier and Skip as a pairing and say that you're as confident in that too to go up against Liverpool and to yeah. go up against Chelsea and to go up against City. Um, I'm comfortable with it going up against United, but against the three that I named, like and I, I understand that there are question marks there. You're going to have to change the shape a little bit. You're going to have to absorb more pressure. But my issue with that, Andrew, is that I don't feel like in order to get the most out of our squad as a whole, removing Skipper Hoivier is going to change for the better. I don't think you can ch- sw- chop and change those two pieces and get better in our midfield. 
I, I don't fully disagree with what you're saying, but I also, I don't think it's that you have to do something different against the likes of Chelsea city and, and, you know, name one or two other of the top teams. I think it's that you only can successfully do what you did today against the likes of, of Newcastle and Norwich. I think everyone else, you almost have to play a little bit differently because you need something more progressive, more, more, you know, more attacking because Newcastle is going to allow you to have, you know, more than 60% of the ball and kind of dick around with it and score, score a goal like Tonki and Dombele did today where nobody's able to close him down quick enough. Well, and that's where I oh, think I just, the depth thing comes back in. Sorry. Well, and, and because, like, for example, if we're if we're talking Peh, Tongi, Gio, that was the most shambolic midfield performance I've ever seen in the sport of soccer, and I'm not exaggerating. Like that was but so. Who, but who was it bad. against? But who would? I don't it, even know. It, it was Arsenal, I think. Right. And 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 honestly, Arsenal took it took it to us, just like any of these teams that you're re- referring to are going to. Like correct. <clears throat> Peh, Tongi, and Gio. I never want to see that happen ever. Like it was ever. just fucking terrible. And it was, it was, I've never seen anything like it. I actually can't find words to express what I saw when those three were in the midfield together. And Shubes, I'm curious what you would think about this, but I've said it before on the show and I'll say it again. I think if we go into a situation where you look at that midfield and say that you have to split up, skip and Oybier, you have to sit one of them for whatever fucking reason, Andrew, you sit my Viking. Not Skippy. Yeah, Skippy I agree. Is the best fucking midfielder we have on this team in terms of of defensive uh, mindedness and timing. Yep, it's pure. Yeah, I would it just I, is. I would I would say skip Geo Tongi over Ph Geo Tongi, and it, and it's because Ph really has this tendency to get a little bit more involved, and, and it's not a bad thing. But um, but Skip's crucial, and the nice part is w- with his, you know. Him being as useful as he is, I think he can play a few more minutes than a guy like Peh can throughout the season too. So, Shuban, what 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 can this team do differently in the midfield against a team that's not named Newcastle or Norwich? Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. I was thinking I like the idea of Thanksgiving Peh, but I don't want to run them down to the ground. Right. I don't know what the alternative is right now. I don't know what it is. I know, obviously, we'll we'll talk about it later. Um, There was an article about Harry Winks in the in the Athletic. And whether they're going to move him on, whether they're going to bring him back. Um, Harvey White, I think he's out on loan, isn't he? Harvey White, he's out on loan. He's not, or he's, he's, he's been sold. He's no longer available to us. So he's, he's not able to play in the, in, in the Europa. But I really am hoping we can develop some options. Because my fear is, you know, you think, oh my God, when the player was down, it was like, oh, could it, could it be Son? Could it be Skip? Could it be Son? Could it be Hill? Or could it be Kane? I thought, oh my god, if Skip's down, we have not we have not got a replacement for Skip. And Skip is what 2021? 20, and we're already scared that we don't have someone that can come in and do his job. Um, I did see some positives. I saw some real good leadership um, from both um, Romero, from Christopher McCuti and Dyer as well. So I saw some leadership there, and you could see there was like good good leadership again from PH, but I don't know. I mean, I think we are going to have to play this two-man midfielder, like this two stoppers or something. It's, you know, they're not the brutes. I, I, I Scott's nice. I'm quite old-fashioned. I like the idea of having two brutes in midfield. You know, to, to protect. You know, to protect your defense. But I don't know. Going forward, I don't know what the options are. I mean, I I know was it. I haven't seen that Pape Mate saw. I haven't seen any of him him playing. So I don't know if he's been earmarked to help come and fill the gap next season. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this last year. I was thinking about this. If you remember Chelsea under Michalele, they had no one else really to basically do his job until Ashley came along the next year or something. You had maybe a Diara, maybe an Open Mikel, but they were still quite young. But like I said, I don't think there was really anyone that we had. And I think that's something that we have to look at in 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 um in January. Because you know, it's a wonder. It's a wonder we get into this podcast every week, and we spend the first 10, 15 minutes talking about the midfield because that's just what we do. Um, <laughs> as Spurs fans, we talk about how this midfield looks and how it's shaking out. There were a lot of other element, elements to this game that you know that kind of, for me, it was a narrative game, and 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 coming in with with everything that's going on with Newcastle and and the takeover, we talked about that last week during the international break and leading into this match, you know, 
Newcastle go on top two minutes in, and things look really, really, no pun intended, dire for Spurs. I mean, they look really, really bleak, and it looks like this is all of a sudden going to be a, you know, a, a nasty three nil defeat with everybody up there, um, you know, celebrating slash protesting slash whatever they want to be doing up there. Um, and I thought that the response from Spurs was really, really strong. It was like the, the first five to eight to 10 minutes of this match, it was almost like Spurs just took a minute to get into it. And then from there on, they really kind of dominated the match. It does remind me sometimes when I was sparring, I said, I needed to get punched in the face to start letting my hands go kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I'm not saying that's the same scenario here, but I just felt that you had a few players who were a little bit off the pace, who were still not in their timing, whatever. And you saw, see people saw, like I was like, screaming about the international break and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that we all the talk has been about Newcastle and the money they have, the money they're going to be having. But Newcastle are on the bottom three for a reason. And yes, Callum Wilson came back, and yes, Callum Wilson will help them improve their goal ability. But ultimately, Newcastle are functionally a very bad side. You had Alison Maximan going forward, but not tracking back. So Regulon literally could often get a two-on-one on the on the on the right back, which which is what led to the equalizer. And right. you just saw so many things that were wrong fundamentally with Newcastle. Could it be the coaching? Could it be they just have bad players? Ding. What it was. But you just literally just saw the reason why that for me, when I saw it was three one, I thought, you know, three one going in, I thought, oh my god, hopefully we'll 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 toss up a cricket score. But it was just and I think, I don't know, maybe we just took it, just eased off, you know, to, you know, eased off in the second half because it just wasn't any, you know, we, we really should have been clearly ahead of them. But whatever reason, you know, we just didn't finish the job. And that's something we have to look at. Yeah. And you're not wrong there, Shoops. The biggest thing, that, the biggest thing that I want to touch on here is that uh, at the beginning, at the outset of this, as you mentioned, it was all about Newcastle and all about, as it should be, Andrew pointed out in the chat, that was the story. And I respect that. But what I said stood, and that is that the NBC broadcast team was doing a whole hell of a lot of heavy lifting for Newcastle's actual chances in this match today. <laughs> and that's because they're shit. And yeah, they're they good. look shit. And they're likely to get relegated. But I will say that from a storyline perspective and for NBC's Premier League ratings, I'm actually really glad that Callum Wilson found the back of the net in the first few minutes because we did, as uh, as your guy over there, Patty Pimblay, would like to say, need to get punched in the face to wake me up. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. I think that um, we saw an absolute thundering strike from Tongi. And to downplay that touch from Regulon, the ball from Romero, the touch from Regulon, and the sight, to see Tongi and then the finish, just a, a absolute fucking banger. To downplay that and just to, to relegate it to oh they had shit defense and nobody could close them out is it was that's a little harsh for me. I thought that was really good football and I thought it set the tone for the rest of what we did today. Right. Um, I, I think that the type of little cheeky finish on a on a cheeky ball from Hoybier was really heady stuff. That was high football IQ movement there. That bending run back from Kane, the ball over the top from Hoybier to see him. And like the little world-class finish that you see. And then obviously the beautiful goal that we'll come on to, Andrew, um, from from Kane to Son and how that all got started with Lucas. Like that was beautiful football to watch. And I think that we're starting to grow into this Nuno system offensively as we little get a little bit more familiarity in this Premier League squad and as we get a little bit closer to um, that time when you really should be firing on all cylinders in the Premier League season. We're there. Yes, they're shit, but this was a good win for Tottenham Hotspur today. So let's let's talk about that narrative for a second, though, because you brought up the Indombole goal, and it, it, it was brilliant. It was a beautiful curler and f- picks out his spot, and, and, and all of that's great. For me, from, from a, a, a supporting Tottenham Hotspur standpoint, I look at that goal and think, oh, goodness, okay, good. We've, we've got this level. Now I don't want to see Spurs sit on this one, one here 
I want to see them continue to go after the game and attack the game. But that's not always what we see from Spurs. Sometimes we see Spurs score a goal and then they just decide, okay, we got that goal. Let's, you know, let's try to continue to get our footing in this game. No, Spurs came out and continued to go after things. And the fact that Kane was able to score, you know, about four or five minutes later, right after that and double goal and grab the lead. And really, you know, the party was on for Newcastle after their early goal. And all of a sudden, you know, the fans up there are going crazy and, and everyone's going nuts. The fact that Ndombele gets the goal and that kind of brings them back to reality a little bit, but then Kane gets the goal right after and that really shuts the place down. That's, that's really, really important. And that's important for, from a narrative standpoint for Spurs to not take their foot off the gas, which is something we saw them do so often over the last you know, however many seasons and, and they especially did it a number of times under Jose Mourinho, where they would get a lead and then take their foot off the gas. They did not take their foot off the gas in this match. Now, granted, Newcastle got the goal late on an own goal in a weird situation. And, you know, they kind of got their footing a little bit there late, but I don't think that that game was really ever in danger of slipping away from Spurs, even at three, two in the final moments, the Kane well, that. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, Andrew. I was just going to say, I thought that the third goal, when they came back to finish play, we'll obviously come on to that situation, but when they came back to finish play, they were able to get that third goal. Right. I thought that that was the critical piece for Spurs because to be completely fair, there was always another goal in it for whoever we're playing yes. laid on in a one goal game. There's always another goal because Eric Dyer plays for us every single day. You're, you're reading ahead on the script because that's exactly where I was going. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. It's, it's, it's perfect. Obviously, this match was, you know, turned on its head in, in about, the, about five minutes before halftime when the match is stopped. And, you know, this is where we take our moment to say, thank goodness it seems like whatever went on in, in the stands up at Newcastle was resolved. And the, the fan, the, the, the person, whoever, whoever it may have been that suffered some kind of medical episode um, it thankfully reactions were, were had and, and, you know, medical attention was brought a very weird situation for, for everyone involved, obviously. Um, and it, it, it's one of those situations where it shows that football is just a game and, and, and there are things more important, obviously, but I thought that it was really, you know, from a football standpoint for the players, for them to stop the match, come off the pitch, wait a little bit kind of not know what's going on, then completely come off the pitch for about 10, 15 minutes, then go back on, play the final seven minutes or so of the half, then come back off for halftime. All of it very, you know, this, these players are not light switches. You know, that's not something you can just flip on and off. So for, for the players to have to deal with that situation, um, you know, really crucial for, for them to get in there. I want to mention, so people remember Justin Edinburgh, uh, who died of a heart attack. And what his his two children, I forgot their names, but they're doing, they've got a foundation. What they're trying to do is get um, defibrillators into Charlie, and they're trying to get as many defibrillators into many sporting environments as possible. And one of the things, I don't know if you guys got Sky Feed or not, but um, Regulon and Dyer were kind of given co-man of the match because for, for part of their response. And although although this not as important in the context of it, I thought Reggie had probably one of his best games, actually, for Spurs. I was surprised, actually, yeah. but he had his best game. But definitely shout out to, to the Justin Edinburgh Foundation. They do excellent work. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's offhand, but please check them out. They do, they do excellent work. Because they did a thing on um, Sky about literally within the first minute, every minute that passes where you can't get deep pressure access, the chances of survival goes down by 5%. It just, and it's exponential from there. So credit to the, all the staff, like the, the first the medical teams on both sides, people that were giving first aid to the person who had the issue, the police and everything that were there. So yeah, thank you. I'll see all you guys. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a really unique situation, obviously. And like you mentioned, Reggian and Dyer able to kind of get, get the attention of, of the match official and get a defib- defibrillator over there uh, on the far side of the pitch um, really kind of wild situation too for for someone like Pierre Mahoybier, who obviously um, was on the pitch when when Christian Eriksen went down uh, at Euros this summer, um, having to to be part of a what we think might have been a similar situation. Um, again, not a lot of information out there, and we're not trying to speculate on what happened, but 
Um, just a scary situation overall, and and we're glad that it seems like everything is okay. Um, on the football side of things, Todd mentioned it. The sun goal that comes after the restart and before halftime was super, super important and a beautiful, beautiful piece of, of offensive play from Spurs. And that gets Spurs 3-1 into half. And from there, you're thinking this thing really is a wrap. And it really did kind of feel that way, right? I mean, yeah, it absolutely did. It was one of those situations, even looking at the way that the second half played out, uh, you know, there was a Lucas chance in there where it flashed off the bar. And, like, you know, I thought that we saw improvements in our set-piece play, even though we are where we are. Uh, <laughs> at least offensively, I thought we are starting to see some improvements. Defensively, still fucking shambolic. But, um, you know, like I said, it's interesting how quickly an early goal can, uh, and we saw something similar in the U.S. match this week, how quickly an early goal can make people are super grumpy super early on in a match, and then uh, things can actually turn out quite favorable in the end. So uh, God love football on a Sunday morning. I, I think uh, on that point, too, I don't think we were that bad defensively. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the the early goal is definitely focus, like whatever, right? We can point to a lot of things there. And then, and then obviously the own goal, right? I think not great from Dyer. He was in the right position, didn't execute well. But I think overall, I, I, I nabbed this from Twitter. I'm not, this isn't my original thought here, but, and I don't know who said it, but I just thought on my time of month scrolling at some point this morning that as far as controlling possession, this is the closest to a Pochettino side we've seen since he left. And I actually don't disagree with that. We actually controlled the game today in a way we haven't in a long time. And I think, I got to give credit to Nuno, who I was calling for his head a month ago, right? Um, but I and but I, I'm I'm honestly I'm thinking that he's starting to figure out that yes, he has some flashy pieces and some flashy tools, and it doesn't mean you can always use those, and you need to be practical and find a side that that's able to do what we did today, right? And I think we're starting to figure that out. So I think Regulon said it today. Um, but I really think that we're, we're, we're starting to get closer to showing the quality of the side that we have, right? Um, we're certainly not going to not gonna go win the Premier League, in my opinion, but I think we're a better side than we all think, and I think we're starting to see that. Um, Wait a second. Uh, hey, I'm going to still say we are. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, um, <laughs> like you did in our group on, chat this morning. Yeah, I've been banging on all morning about that. Seattle Spurs, <laughs> I was telling everybody at the pub we're easily winning the league. Like, if it happens, then I'll be right, but – you know, if it doesn't, then I'll also be right. So it's fucking and, perfect. But Andrew's I, I, Andrew's point that it will likely be the Europa Conference League is not lost on many of us. So <laughs> keep it moving. Well, no, but I, 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 I'm just to finish my thought quick. That I'm actually, you know, on the defensive piece. I'm I'm becoming impressed with this back four, and I think I think we're starting to find our back four. And um, Dyer and Regulon, or sorry, Dyer and uh, Romero are, are forming a, a good little partnership. Um, I was fucking, this is just who I am, and you guys know this, but when Romero kicked that ball out and then went for it straight for Max St. Maximin's throat after he wouldn't fucking stop play when Emerson went down, that was, he didn't obviously go for his throat, but I, you know, I'm hyperbole there, but I, I just, oh, I fucking love that, man. He, he let him know guy. what was up. Oh, dude, yeah, that guy, that guy and Eric Dyer together, like, I would not want to come across the two of them in a back alley, man. They will say maximum is just a, a Tesco Adama triarch. <laughs> and, and and like I know Dyer, is, yes, and I know Dyer is Dyer is polarizing, right? Um, but I think a guy, a, him alongside a guy like Romero can can be good. And we still we need someone to control the presence of the back line to conduct and direct traffic. Dyer does it well. Um, and I think next to Romero, we're going to start to see something pretty formidable. And then, like I said, Emerson's been fantastic. I think I was talking about this with a few people at the pub today. Um, I I have one very small sliver of a gripe with Pochettino, and that's that he took forever to bed people in, right? We all know that. Um, he would he would take six months in training to bed them in, put them in the 11, and then they would need like five games to bed in instead of just like putting them in and giving them five games to bed in, which is what we're seeing with Emerson, right? He's, he's looking really good. Um, and if Regulon can keep that form, I, I suspect that we might be stronger defensively with Skip and Hoybier in there than we ever thought we were. So um, it's starting to take shape. Well, shout to Dakota, Andrew, um, who called out Sergio Regulon long before he was wearing the lily white and blue of Tottenham Hotspur as a beast. Yep. Um, and we're absolutely seeing that. 
Uh, in my opinion, he is right now standing there, top three to five left backs in the Premier League. I yeah, I'm. I'm really glad. I'm really glad that he has come good because the tail end of last season was horrific for him. It was yeah, very, it was. very bad. He looked gassed, and he has he has played very well in the last uh, handful of matches. On the other side, with with Emerson Royale, I, I thought today he was bad for him. I did not think he played that well. Um, but I'm gonna chalk it up to just a bad game because that's that's all I can do at this point. Um, he, he, you know, he played on Friday morning. He, he literally he played on Friday morning. I think he landed probably Friday evening, Saturday morning, something. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's someone who's gone both west to east and east to west. It, it really messed up your body clock. Sure. Yeah, especially when you go go as far as you were. But um, no, I think Emerson Royal had he had a difficult game. But I must have Romero. I don't know. He took so many kicks today; it was ridiculous. Yeah. Some, some of the some of the tackles. I mean, it was. I, I don't. I don't know. It was like. It was if the referee. I mean, I know referees tend to favor the home side, and that's that. That, that is that understandable. But it was some of the tackles that was going on, especially the first two three minutes. And he wasn't saying no. Like, look, I don't say yellow card that early, but I definitely do say. Do you know what? I've always look. The next time you do that, I will book you. And you didn't see that, but. No, I mean, I think Romero, for a guy that joined very late, who's had no, I don't think he's had, he's had any, he's had any, he's had any preseason. And obviously he's had the issues with, I think the Argentina, Brazil, fiasco that happened, was about a month ago? And he's obviously had to go yeah. play internationals. He has reset, I mean, literally, my dream is that we we get a second coming of Jan Matongan in January or in the summer of next year or something. Because if you got Romero with, like, a young version of Yamatongan, that defense isn't conceding many goals. And that defense, no, no, no. And that, they, they can bring that ball out. But like I said, I think, I mean, because we're obviously, I don't know if we'll get onto this, the Polish Trust did get some dialogue back from the board and they spoke about how it's transition season, blah, 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 blah. And yes, it is in some respects, but you know what? I'm tired of the transition. How many rebuilding seasons do we need? We've gone from a team that was in the Champions League final to basically not even being in the like, Europa League in less than two years. So history building has to happen. But you know what? That's why you need your dialogue. That's why you need to. That's why the board needs to speak to um, you know the supporters and have a dialogue. And we've seen it. I mean, like I've seen, seen some shit dialogue. I mean, I, I know. We'll speak, I know you guys spoke about Newcastle, but the only reason Mohamed Bill Salman has been able to buy Newcastle is because he sorted out some pirate priority deal, not because he hacked up a, a journalist. That didn't disqualify him. I will be staggered what dis- disqualifies someone from being a journalist. And the funny thing was, they zoomed in. I don't know if you guys said it on your feed. They zoomed in on Amanda Stavely and one of them representatives from PIF, who's probably like a dog's body or something, just someone to be a figurehead. You know, the <laughs> shadow or anything. And he was also waving, just hello, hello, hello. And then like, oh, he was cheering when they scored. And then obviously, you know, the things that go as well. But it's, you know, it's an absolute travesty. I mean, like, you know, I, I know there are Spurs fans that would happily take KSA buyout. You know, and what I want, when you look at, say, what Newcastle are, I mean, I remember there was a Newcastle fan... And he said, you know, the only reason that Steve Bruce has that job is they were looking for a manager. He's a Geordie. He was available. Mike Ashley wanted to buy some time. But to give me, I'll show you not. If Newcastle get their act together and they get, you know, we, that is serious trouble for us. And the, the only thing that stops Newcastle being a lot better than what they can be is because they're, they're in Newcastle. People don't want to live there compared to, say, Liverpool. Definitely back to London. Definitely better Manchester and Liverpool. But Newcastle, I mean, I look at that team today, and I mean, who was that player? Was it Joel Linton? He came from Atlanta, is that right? Atlanta FC? No, um, uh, Amaron, Miguel Amaron. Amaron came from Atlanta. And you see some of the money that they've pissed up anyway. So I, whenever I look at Newcastle, I think, fuck, fuck, we're going to go down that road. 
Well, when I look at Newcastle, I don't know about you, Andrew, but when I look at Newcastle, I see John Joe Selby, who got the hook today, and rightfully so. Um, he And I was literally thinking as he came on, I was like, God, that guy's still playing football? Like him and Mark Noble can both get fucked. Right. Um, no, and he's, he's the closest thing to an enforcer that Premier League football still has. And he clearly showed it today, just coming in and, and giving a few kicks and uh, saying goodbye. Yeah. Like a giant piece of trash. Um, so Only, uh, only needed about 23 minutes to, to make his mark. And there you go. And, and that's what I think of when I think of Newcastle as it stands right now. And they kept – what was interesting is I kept listening to the broadcast and Arlo White was banging on about the glory days of the 1990s where they won fuck all, to be fair, under Kevin Keegan. They didn't win a God-blessed thing. And their last international – or their last major trophy is something like 50 fuck all years ago. Like, they're not a good football team. They're a good football uh, part of the country. They're a good – they're a, a they're a great football market, Andrew. That's exactly what they are. They're a great football market. But 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 like Shubhan said, the thing that changes all of that, and it changed it for, for places like Manchester and Liverpool, is money. And and that is what Newcastle will now have going forward. So it, it's something that's going to take a long time to, to change and, and you know develop. But um, we got a lot more to talk about with this match specifically. We're not a Newcastle podcast, so we're going to talk more about Spurs. Uh, we've got Harry Kane, his first Premier League goal of the season. And we've got a little bit of a look ahead because, you know, this is a good win for Spurs coming back from the international break. There's a lot more important matches coming up, and we're going to get into those, and we'll do that right after this. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew, joined by Scott, Shuban, and Todd. Uh, Harry Kane off the mark in the Premier League today on a VAR reviewed goal. Um, and this, you know, as we mentioned before the break, this was like for me a super important goal because it came moments after Ndombele got the equalizer. And not only is it big for Kane and a, and a smart goal of him, you know, barely getting back on side and running through and a beautiful, beautiful touch and flick over uh, to put it away, but just the timing of it alone for me was really, really important. Um, Scott, what did you make of, of of your boy, your favorite player ever, Harry Kane, finally making his mark in the Premier League today and, and, and getting a goal? I don't know, man. I think I think he got one of the four or five goals he'll get this season today. So um, <laughs> I'm joking. I, I am always happy to see Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt, even when he pisses me the fuck off, right? Um and anytime you can get that guy fired, you're going to be better for it. So I, I don't know. I think I think Kane um, has an opportunity to do a year to, U-turn mentally here. Um, I think he's maybe learned through this experience that he might not be the commodity that that everyone thought he was, which is really weird to fucking say because he's so good, right? And I mean, it's, but at, I, it's, hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop you right there because it's what I said all throughout the summer. I said oh, he's, right. not the, he's not the commodity everyone thinks he is because of his age, because of his health, because of mm-hmm. his importance it's to Spurs just tough, versus though. everyone else. Yeah, no, massive credit to you. And I, and I think, like, I don't know if I ever disagreed. I I wanted him sold regardless of, of all of that, right? But I think I it, it is interesting to, to, to feel that way because he has, like, he's now the second highest – score of away goals in the premier league behind Wayne Rooney and like a hundred less games with like almost the same amount of goals. Right. So this guy will go down, mark my words as the best striker in English football ever. No question about it. Like I'm not fucking around anymore. Like they're going to talk about like, and I don't even want to say his name because I worship this man and, but Jimmy Greaves, right. People probably think him, think of him as like the most prolific English goal scorer of all time. Right. Harry Kane will surpass him there. Um, and I think Jimmy Greaves' family and Jimmy Greaves, rest in peace, would be okay with that, right? But that will happen. Um, but it's so it's weird to say those things, but I just don't think – I don't think he's going to be sold for uh, for an agreeable fee 
at all. And he may, maybe his contract runs out. I don't know. Hopefully we can turn it around by then. But ultimately, he his goal today was phenomenal. His assist today was phenomenal. Um, good to see Harry Kane playing some football. And I think I've heard pundits talk about it. I don't remember who, but many have, right, that when your head is turned it's very hard to, to be to perform on the field. Same thing for me at work, right? Like if I'm not in a good mental space, it's hard for me to perform in my job. Pretty, pretty, pretty accurate for, for any human, regardless of their responsibilities. And it seems like he's settling a little bit between the years and we'll be better for that because we cannot, as much as I want to say like, fuck Kane, son's the guy, like that ain't going to work for us this year, right? We need Harry Kane to, to be firing. And so seeing him play how he did today cannot be a bad thing. Even if he pissed me the fuck off. Done. All right. Are we done with the fucking slander portion of this show? <laughs> yes. I, I wanted to give I wanted to give Scott his space to, you know, say what he wanted to Kane's first goal. No, both of you, both of you guys talking about how Harry Kane is not the commodity that everybody thinks he is. It's just it's Hold on. I'm talking about four other teams. For Tottenham Hotspur, so am I. He's hugely important. So, okay, first off, for Tottenham Hotspur, he's hugely important, is quite possibly the, the largest understatement ever uttered on this show. <laughs> the man was responsible in, in, either a direct, in a direct fashion for 80% of our league goals last year. He's the second most prolific goal scorer of all time. He is looking down the barrel of Alan Shearer's Premier League record. He's going to do all of this, yes, in a Tottenham Hotspur kit, but he's going to do all of it with a fucking armband on for England. And that's the key here. Yeah, is that if you're talking about commodity in English football, it's Harry Kane, and then it's everybody else. Totally. Well, I, like I literally just said, he's going to be the, go down as the best English goal scorer of all time. So, like, we're not disagreeing, but he's not. I, I'm just saying, I don't think he's a 200, 200 million dollar asset. I think like, for Newcastle he United, he fucking is to go chase yeah, down an there. Alan okay. Shearer in a Newcastle jersey. Are you fucking kidding me? You can, I mean, it pays for all of the payments to Harry Kane through the yes. marketing that you're able to do when you can put both of those motherfuckers side by side with the greatest of all time trophies for goal scorers standing next to it. It is literally a marketer's dream, Scotty. You know this. So, like, I'm, okay, to say Newcastle, not, New, Newcastle would easily pay $200 million for him. I'm never going to what I'm talking that. about. So then like, we've but, already walked back to statement, I guess. So I'm good. No, 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 man. That, that, like, I'm not saying that no one would come in and buy him for 200 million. I'm saying I don't think he's worth 200 million dollars. Like I'm not saying that someone won't come in and buy him. Also, like no, what, what, would, what, the would he go to Newcastle? Not the commodity everyone thinks he is, and that's the reason why I took umbrage with it. If we can move on from that point, I'm good. I, I, mean, I stand. I stand by that because I I agree with you in in I the sense do. that because I agree. I'm not saying Newcastle won't pay 200 million for him. I'm saying they would be stupid to do so. Exactly. Yeah, stupid. chew on that one for a chew, chew on that one for a second. I'm gonna give it, and, and I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna push back, and I'm gonna say why. I just went through an entire like I'm gonna. I, I just because went through an entire gonna... wrestling promo narrative as to why it makes sense for them to do it. If I'm um, someone who just purchased that football club, because if and you're I'm Newcastle, or... you would say why it's stupid. Because if you're Newcastle, are you worried about selling shirts, or are you worried about trying to win something? I'm worried about selling shirts with Harry Kane's fucking name on the back of it, buddy. So He's you don't want to go in the okay. country, right? I, I understand that, but but that means you're you're more worried about money than you are glory, which is what we all bitch about. We we every, everyone who's Enoch out thinks that Tottenham is. If you're Newcastle, would you rather have Joe Linton or would you rather have Harry Kane? No, I'd rather have, rather have Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland or any of these younger guys who have fresher bodies. Footballing Madtown in England. Shuban, let me know here, man. Am I completely off base in saying that this guy is absolutely the crown jewel in, in the in in any uh the eye of any English football owner? He would be literally the probably one of the biggest prizes you can get. I mean, literally, I, I don't think anyone loves Harry Kane. I think I mean, apart from Marcus Rashford, I don't, I don't think there's a more loved English footballer in the country, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when he scores from Tottenham, everyone, everyone hates him. But um, right. everyone's saying, yeah, but generally, yeah, he is, he is the crown jewel. But ultimately, you look at Harry Kane, you know, Scott talks about it. You know, I think we forget that he's had a really long season, you know, first of all, the COVID disruption. Then he's had playing with England. Then he's had the abortive move. 
I don't think, and I think, do you know what? Anyone, you can get distracted and you won't be fully at his peak. I think today we saw he played to the whistle, he timed his run to perfection. The, the quality was there. I think the fact that we are playing, I think obviously we have a tough top game against West Ham next week. But, and obviously I think we play, I think, I don't know, we play after, and I think after we play Man United, so we've got some really tough games coming up. Yeah. But I think the fact that he seems to have gotten whatever kinks out of his system, you know, we saw in Dombele, and yeah, he, he was playing pretty decently. He wasn't, I mean, if you compare like, I mean, I, I, I only watched him on Match of the Day yesterday. If you compare Ndombele today to Paul Pogba yesterday, mm. you know, you, I mean, I was thinking, I mean, because a friend of mine is a United fan and he absolutely despises Pogba. And I'm thinking, I can understand why, because you've got Pogba who's got all the talent in the world. He's got the physical gifts. For some reason, he can't make it happen. You've got Tongue Ndombele, the guy who's got a gift. He can see things that some people just can't. But no, whatever it is, you just can't get it ever. But today, we were seeing it today. I mean, there were moments I thought, oh my God, I mean, like Lucas hit the bar there was moments in the first half, but then at the same time, he can, he can go from the sublime to the direct. So he had a really good cross. So he had his whipper put it in, and he manages to get it like into a rosette or something. I still think we're a work in progress. I still think there's a lot we need to do. But like I said, I mean, what was it? Nuno, I think for how long was it? A week before, was it a week before pre season? Nuno took over? Was it roughly that, that long? No, it was, it was, it was a couple. I mean, regardless, I. I Look, for Harry Kane, if, if, if Harry Kane wants to fuck off to Newcastle for 200 million, more power to him. Fair enough. My I'm point. I'm paying for his cold scarf, though, man. I mean, I mean my, point on, my point on Harry Kane is that if he was the most prized commodity in English football, he would be playing in Manchester City right now. He would, he I, would see, have... I disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that because they went younger. They did what you said that Newcastle should do. They took the younger English talent for the cheaper price tag, and it's bunk. He's fucking – he's bench fodder up there. He, he is not doing the things that they paid $100 million for Jack Grealish to do. What I'm saying is oh, what does Harland, that mean? Harland and Mbappe, they don't want to go to Newcastle, buddy. They don't want to go there. They don't want to make a splash in English football from Paris, from Dortmund to Newcastle to Northeast England. They might go to they might go to City. They might go to City or United. Then I mean, I'm just saying, if if Kane were if Kane were so goddamn prized, City would have paid up for him. Why why should he have to wait around for Newcastle to get a fucking takeover and for them to buy him? He's not that. Like if he were that worth it to these other clubs other than Tottenham Hotspur. And look, I'm I'm not saying those I'm not saying that, that, that those teams are wrong. I'm I'm saying that they're I'm I'm saying they're that, that he's he's worth it to Spurs. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like other teams are clamoring to get their hands on Harry Kane. If they were, he'd be playing at fucking City already. Well no they just don't want to pay that money to Daniel well, Lee. Then, then what's he worth? If they doesn't want to, if they don't want to pay the money to Spurs, what's he worth? Well, what I'm saying is that did he not just win the top goal scorer and the top playmaker of the year award last year? Is he not the English captain? Did he not take Tottenham Hotspur? I mean, to <laughs> and what kind of payday did that get? Did that, did that get the club that that, that owns his rights? No, Bufkis. It got him well, Bufkis because no one came in for him the way that the way that City could have. If I City mean, put also, up just a little bit more money, he's well, playing at City. Also- Oh my gosh, dude, this is also, he's got multiple years left on his contract. That'd be bad business for City to pay that much with that much time on his contract. Because he, there's, there it's a, hold on. coming. It's a down market in the rest of Europe because of everybody's coming back from the post-COVID bounce. Like, everybody bought into this fucking Harry Kane needs to be sold last season narrative. And it was hot fucking garbage because it was trash business all the way around. If you guys were looking at what it was for City to pay $280 million, let's call it. Let's say Jack Grealish was 100, Harry Kane's 180 because Daniel Levy's shrewd as fuck. All right? $280 million, A, is going to put him over the financial fair play cap with the rest of the shit that they did. B, is going to be fucking terrible on their books at the end of the year coming off of a down COVID year. Let's fucking announce that to the board two years running. And three, (laughs) because next year you've got a bunch of other talent available for you to bid on that is not Harry King. So does English talent cost more to be bought by English clubs? Absolutely. Is Harry Kane a $200 million commodity? Well, I'm going to look at his trophies. 
And I'm going to look at the way that he plays football. And I'm going to say that for the next two seasons, he absolutely is. I'm going to stand firm on that. And I think at the end of the year, we're going to look at Harry Kane with 20 back-to-back 20 goal seasons. You mark my fucking words on that. I mean, I don't know where it's on a monster kit. Yeah. I don't know where you think he's pulling 20 more goals or 19 more goals now. From, Have you from... not been watching football over the last three to five seasons? Like, do you not watch Harry Kane put multiple goals on multiple levels of competition? I can't I... wait to play Leicester City again. Harry Kane fucking scores on Schmeichel in his sleep. Like, let's fucking go, Andrew. I what just can't. I can't see where you're finding him being worth two hundred million if he wasn't worth a hundred million this year. What do you? He was absolutely what? Who that? First off, how you came up with he wasn't worth a hundred million is beyond me. Was he? Was he? Was he? Was was a hundred million offered? Was a hundred? There was the one reported bid for Harry Kane. Was initial 80, opening bid was, was, was eighty. Eighty plus add-ons. <laughs> Which is laughable. Right. The thing is, I think what it boils down to is that if you're going to put a bid on a house, you don't want to reveal your hand. You're going to over, over, overpay. You're going to say, Do you know what? I'll offer you 18 million. That's a little bit more here. And then Especially they'll try and, and, Daniel, and then, you, then you negotiate your, yourself up. For me, basically, they looked at this and they just, they, they, first of all, City have got other things they're looking at. They're looking at Mbappe could be free in a year. They're looking at Haaland has a fixed release clause for 75 million. You put those three together and you're thinking, hmm, I can buy Harry Kane for 130 million, who's 28, or I can buy a guy on a free for, or I can get 130 million. Those numbers do not add up for me. You're making my point for me. You're making my yeah, point for me. It was bad business this year to make that payment on Harry Kane. But like, why is it going to saying... be any – okay, hold on. Why is it going to be bad business this year and any better business next because year? Because last year, coming off of the year that he had with those two trophies in his hand, standing here looking at the England captain who just went to a Euro fucking final, you're telling me that that guy's not at the peak point of where he's going to be worth, right? So we could say, fuck you, this guy's worth 200 million pounds, right? And, you, and they go, wait, it's hard to argue with that because look at the season he just had. So now you give him another year. He comes back down to earth a little bit, to your point, because he was on sky high. That is his peak or whatever. Still gets his 20 goals. Now you come into Daniel Levy. He's a year closer to 30. He's probably had another ankle injury. Now you're coming into Daniel Levy and you're saying, hey, listen, I know I can go get Harlan right now, but it's going to cost me 240 million pounds just to get into that race with some of the other giants that are looking to pay that money. How about I give you 150 and so-and-so Juan Casello or who, Yao Casello or who the fuck ever. It doesn't even matter. How about I give you somebody a decent number for Kane, a legitimate 130 number for Kane and another player to make up another 30 million. And we get out the door with some Daniel Levy ass 165 million pounds for Harry Kane a year later everybody's happy and it's good business across the board. So, so first of all, that 165 is not 200, which, which is what you're I, guaranteeing. And no, se- what I said was last year at the moment coming right. off of last year, he's worth a two. He is a 200 million pound commodity. And you can argue that to, to, to the sun goes down because it was the truth. I can tell you that he's not because no one paid 200 million for him. The value, the, the, the market is what you The market is not determined by who pays what the market yes, is. It is. Deter- no, it's not, dude. You don't have to buy it. Okay. So an evaluation of a company is not how much someone has paid for it. It's how much someone will pay for it. Correct. Okay? And, and did anyone pay that for him? Did would, another would, year around Madrid pays any- 200 million for Harry Kane and go fuck yourself. And we both know this, but hold on. I think what you're doing is you're evaluating Harry Kane, the player alone versus Harry Kane, the player versus a player like Mbappe or Holland or whoever the fuck else will be out on the market next year. And that's where I have the issue, Todd, is because if you we're not take... talking about next year, we were talking about last year and this year. Like oh, that's, but I mean, we're, that's but we're, ta- we're talking about all these things because in my mind, why would a team like city or God forbid, even Newcastle pay what you're asking them to pay for Harry Kane when they can pay less for a player who's younger but and maybe can't. just, why couldn't they? They could spend less money. They couldn't get that player. That's my point. They can get Harry Kane. You can make that push. Hey, Chase Allen Shearer's record in, in, in a Magpies jersey. Like, you can make that push, okay? You can't make that push to Harlan, okay? You're not going to tell him, hey, do me a huge favor. Spend your mid-20s and early-30s in Northeast England. 
get fucked. It's not happening. What about what about Northwest England? I mean, my point is, and this this bigger this trophies, a, bigger trophies, bro. Bigger sure. trophies. It changes everything. Sure, this this gets us away from a. Go ahead. I was gonna say, first of all, Newcastle. They're not. I don't know who the hell wants to coach Newcastle right now. <laughs> they are so far away from being a coachable team because you got Bruce. He's gonna be there. They're, they're dithering on. We're gonna keep him or not? They're working out whether. Wait a minute. We're gonna keep this guy and then give him the money. Or are we going to wait until you know, they don't even know they even they, they can get out of relegation? You can't. I mean, I know the rules are changing. I mean, Scott, you know, more of a fancy league than I do, but I don't think you can buy 22 players in one window. I don't know, but Scott, you can tell me differently or not. Scott, you, Scott is more, more of a FIFA guy than I am, but ultimately, you've got a Newcastle team who they don't have any structure, they've just been bought by people that probably they not that they don't know what they're doing, but they have no experience of running a football club. Running a football club is something very different. Yeah, and, and Daniel and Daniel Levy is, is the one that knows how to do that. Well, he, he knows how to build assets. He knows how to build develops assets. Develop a first team consistently? No. But can he do, can he develop property? Yes, he's done. That's what Paratici is for, right? Yeah, that's what Par- Paratici is there for. Paratici, Paratici, my bad. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm gonna I'll just come in and I'll like lots of things <laughs> just happened. All right, I'll say this. <laughs> My point was that I don't think anyone is going to buy Harry Kane for $200 million. Harry Kane's fucking phenomenal. If Newcastle wants to pay $200 million for him, fine. If Harry Kane goes to Newcastle, what the fuck are we even doing anyways? Like, if you just want the English Premier League record, do it at Spurs. Like, what the sure. fuck ever? Why go to Newcastle and lose a, more games than you would at Spurs? Because they'll pay you four times as much. And That's this is your last Kane, big contract. Dude. That's not Kane. Like, I agree. He's, he's only leaving why. To, to win trophies. I agree. And- and look, the conversation that, that, that Todd and I were having, and I'll call it a conversation. It's not an argument. We're all we're all Certainly we all we all love here. We're it's all love here. But like, I think it I think it devolved away you. from I think it's the way devolved it devolved away from Newcastle specifically to Harry Kane's market value specifically. And my only point was, if a team wants to come in and pay two hundred million for Harry Kane, what the fuck are they doing when they can next season? And I think this is this is part of my argument as to why I never thought Kane was leaving this year is because a team like City or like United or whoever can go and pay less for a for a player like Mbappe or Halan next next summer. And frankly, those players are younger and maybe not as good or as talented or whatever you want to say about in, higher ceilings. In, in, in higher ceilings, sure. We'll put it that way. In terms of to, you know, compared to Harry Kane, and I just don't get why a team would do that with Harry Kane when those there are other options down the road, and with Harry Kane's injury history and you know whatever else. I just that's where I don't see Harry Kane's value getting higher than it was reportedly this summer. But we stranger agree things have happened. Stranger things have happened, and Newcastle now does have a shit ton of money and. That's something that 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 we'll have to kind of work on and 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 see. Um, before we get out of here today, guys, because we've we've now ranted about Harry Kane, which you know I wanted to talk about him scoring, getting off the Schneid today in the Premier League, and we we kind of turned it into a a Harry Kane market value discussion, which is fine, and and hopefully people enjoyed that. But before we get out of here, I did want to mention that Tottenham Hotspur uh, currently sit fifth in the Premier League table, which I don't hey. think three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I don't think anyone would have expected that. And yeah, it's still, it's still early, and it's it's eight games, but it is nice to be level on points with Brighton, who sit who sit one spot ahead and fourth. Um, only Chelsea, Liverpool, and City, the three teams that everyone thinks are going to be competing for the title, are are ahead of of Brighton and Spurs right now. So that is United, United, who like have spent was it eighty million on Sancho? Yeah, was it fifty million on Varane? I I, I, I can't lose track of the numbers, and they're not even in the. They're now out of the title race. Literally, they're not even. They spent all this money, well, and then the title race. Yesterday. Yes. It's so early. They're five points yeah. back of of of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. But, um, yeah, but, yeah. Leicester's good too. I mean, there's 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 a bunch of there, I mean, there's yeah, Leicester. and and Leicester sit eleventh. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I, what I would say is you're right. It's absolutely early. Like, are we really looking at the table before we get to about Christmas? Right. Right. Um. And but you know, it's nice to. Uh, not have three away defeats in a row, so that's super yes. nice. It's uh, 
it's certainly nice to uh, jump from jump into the European spots, which is where, like I said, this is where we should be. Like I'm looking at a fifth or sixth fin- fifth or sixth place finish for Tottenham this year, um, and I stand by that fully. Um, I think all the way around, coming back off of the international break, Andrew, this is probably the best result you could have possibly asked for. Sun doesn't have COVID. And right. Um, right, and we get three points on the road at Newcastle and ruin their like uh, housewarming party or whatever for the new exactly. owners. That makes yeah. that's a good fucking Sunday, boys. We we talked last week on the pod about you know expectations over the next four Premier League games in in this month leading up to the next international you know the in between international breaks of the four matches in the league, and we, I think we all kind of settled on around maybe seven points. Or thereabouts would be uh, the like the expectation slash hope out of the tw- out of a possible twelve. They've already got three of them in the bank now with three games to go. So maybe those expectations get up closer to eight, nine, ten points out of the twelve rather than six, seven. What we were talking about um, those next three matches in the Premier League. Ironically enough, they come against West Ham next week, Manchester United, and then Everton. Those three teams are the teams that sit on 14 points just below Spurs who sit on 15 right now in the table. And again, not to be table watchers this early in the season, it's still very, very, very early. But it is interesting that these next three matches are going to be against teams that are likely going to be in the mix for fighting for these same types of of European positions um, come the end of the season that Spurs will be battling for. Um, And that is just that just makes those matches you know, all the more important. They really are are six point swing matches in terms of, you know, when you're looking at, at positioning for the table. Um, before we get to West Ham next week, though, it's Vitesse in the Conference League this Thursday. Um, first of two against them in the next few weeks. We face them this Thursday, and then again Thursday, November fourth, on the return leg home. Um, any expectations of rotation or? What do we think for for Vitesse? This is a team uh, out of the Dutch league. They currently sit sixth uh, in in the Netherlands in their league. I don't really know what to expect other than Spurs are going to have to put out a decently strong side. I mean, and they're not going to be able to fully rotate. They haven't been fully rotating in the Europa Conference League. You know, they've been rotating a little bit. Subs today, right? So, I mean, it's something where I expect, and we're also coming off an international break. So the, your your yeah. sub rotation is going to be have to be different. So I would expect a, a I, obviously we're going to see Galini, right? Yep. I uh, I expect to see some rotation. We probably get some Ben Davies action. Ooh, some Ben Sanchez. Davies action. Sanchez, Sanchez action. Tanganga gets some run. I think Harry you know Winks plays. Want I don't want to see Darty in any shape or form uh-uh. play for us. No. I am so sick of that guy. Yeah, that was really. turns out being trash. Yeah, I, honestly, like I think some of why we were using our best eleven, if you will, in these conference league games was just Nuno using the opportunity to continue betting shit out, right, and, and figuring out what was happening. And I don't, I wouldn't expect us to. If we keep playing that strong of a lineup, I'll be fucking just super confused. Like why? That like Delhi gets the armband, maybe Scotty. Yeah, De- Delhi will play. And I wouldn't it's mind having the armband. Um, two man of the match performances by Argentina. Now, I know, yeah, and I know it helps when you have someone like Messi and all that kind of stuff. But we have got such a talented player there. But for whatever reason, apart from a few months in like twenty twenty and in the twenty nineteen, we have really struggled to get the best out of him. I mean, no team has ever gotten anything out of that guy, and I'm not being no, hard. No team has yeah. ever played for has ever gotten anything out of that best guy. Except for that is definitely. That's fair, but he, I, I, he was still injured a lot. It's kind of my point, right? But um, I don't know. I, I, this competition makes me laugh. I think it's fucking hilarious. I like that's all. I, that's all I can say about Thursday's game. Like I don't know. LOL. We'll see. LOL. We'll see. Maybe that'll be the the the, the podcast go. title on Thursday. Uh, LOL. We'll see. Uh, no, it, you know, it is important in in the context of if you want to continue to do, do things that are important in this competition, um, you know, Spurs have, have had a, a decent run in this competition, you know, with the win and the draw in the first two, um, they've got to keep pace with basically keep pace with Ren and, and, you know, Ren will have 
Murrah, the team that, that Spurs beat um, in, in, in the other fixture in the group. So, you know, they'll, they'll have to keep pace and they'll have to do that on Thursday. Um, we will be back we'll to talk to you nice about stadium. it. Oh, yeah. They, 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 you know, these are, these are not – it's funny. This conference league, these are not t- – Murrah is an exception, I think. You know, Murrah is what they are, but – these teams are not complete pushovers. And I think we saw that with Spurs facing Ren. I mean, you know, this is not, I, I get that it's a French league team and it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not Marseille or Lyon or PSG, but these are still respectable teams that are professionals that are going out there and trying. So Spurs well, will mean, have to do is, the same. Well, I guess my point there, Andrew, is that, you know, this is, we all kind of feel like this is a bit of a joke of a European competition because, I mean, like, we didn't even wear white shirt, shorts the first week and there we didn't even have patches, like, uh, on our arms in the first matches that we had at the group stage, like, and I get that. But, I mean, like, this, these these places, these teams that we're playing, this is no worse than some of the places that we've watched in the fucking Europa League, like, there's right. some Kazakhstani farmers that, you know, have gotten a crack at Tottenham Hotspur that um, would never even get a sniff in this league. Like, I get that. No question about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the, the lively discussion about Harry Kane and the uh, the lively oh. discussion about a what was a weird day for it really overall. I mean, between the the incident in the middle, which, again, our best wishes to, to, the, to the fan – uh, between the start, between the the COVID rumors and the, the lineup, um, and between Spurs getting a, getting what is a pretty good you know victory. You know we talked we talked a couple weeks ago about all these games are even though it's Newcastle, all these matches are losable, <laughs> or you you know you can at least drop points in any of these. And for Spurs to to get three points, you cannot shrug at it. Um, you can't just say, oh well, it was Newcastle, no big deal. The Premier League is tough, and these matches are are tough to go get three points on the road from. And and Spurs were able to do it, and they're going to continue to have to prove things against the this this run that we have over this next month or so. Uh, you know, West Ham's a very good team. Manchester United is obviously um, very talented, and Everton are a good team as well. So they're going to ha- continue to have to prove it um, to to all of us, and uh, we'll see if they can do so. But first, it's the Conference League. We'll have that for you on Thursday. Uh, and and that should be fun for Scott, who is at DSM Spurs, for Shuban, who is at the real Shuban, for Todd, who is at TC underscore Kasho. I'm Andrew at Astetka. You can follow the podcast at Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs! Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>